Well, more of the same uh, today. Scattered afternoon and evening thunderstorms will develop. In fact, all week long, not much change. And as we mentioned last week, it really comes down to timing it, trying to time it. It's not always easy to do. And then the coverage. And the coverage continues to look like at least half the area each day, at least through Thursday and probably right on into Friday. So that when you add it all up, even though it doesn't rain everywhere every single day, by the time you, you add it all up, everybody gets more rain. And in some places, a lot. I mean, it was a deli last evening over central and northern Duval County. It was quite interesting, really, to watch it all develop. We went through most of the afternoon without any rain at all in Jacksonville and northeastern Florida, but there were quite a few showers and storms in southeastern Georgia. Those storms pushed out sort of a pseudo-cold front, uh, what we call it an outflow boundary, pushes cooler air out, and as that moved into northeast Florida, hit the east coast Seabreeze, which had moved inland to west of Interstate 95, two main bands of thunderstorms really uh, took off. Uh, but not until between 6 and 7 o'clock in the evening, and really mostly between 7 and 8 o'clock in the evening. The first band developed over Clay County, pushed into southern Duval and St. Johns County, weakened and moved offshore. It was heavy, but uh, it, it didn't last very long. The second band is the one that ended up taking over uh, that developed from about Oh, St. Mary's and Fernandina Beach down through the northern and western parts of Duval County into Clay County. And that's the one that it kind of pivoted as it moved to the east. So it was moving eastbound, slowed as it made that kind of pivot. It appeared there was a little weak area of small-scale low pressure nearby, which helped cause that pivot. And it just poured for a couple of hours on central and northern Duval County with rainfall rates of 2 to 3 inches per hour. So that at the International Airport, rainfall for the evening totaled almost 4 inches of rain. Put that in a little perspective. First of all, it was the most most rain ever measured on August 10th, breaking a record set back in the 19th century, 1896. No, I wasn't here for that, by the way. But in any case, uh, that record was about 1.9 inches of rain. We easily beat that. But it's also more than half of our August monthly rainfall average. We average about 6.7 inches of rain during the month of August. We had almost four inches at the International Airport last night alone. There were a few spots between the International Airport and downtown that measured as much as four to five inches of rain. About two inches fell here at the CBS 47 Fox 30 and 104.5 WOKV Studios. Uh, and then again, some areas, not so much. But that's the kind of pattern we're in this week, much like last week, where we have plenty of sun, heat and humidity through a good part of the day, and then it just storms like heck by later in the afternoon and into the evening hours. Today, I believe the storms go up a little earlier than they did yesterday. Uh, again, quite late, 6, 7 o'clock, and then even more so between 7 and 8 p.m. I think it's a little more earlier in the afternoon today, uh, and, and we kind of tr have that trade-off between what time of day it is uh, over the next few days with the showers and thunderstorms that develop and dump a lot of rain in localized areas. As we get into the weekend or toward the weekend, it does look like the storms become at least a little more scattered and on and off by Saturday and Sunday, but not yet completely dry. It is, after all, the peak of our wet season, so it's not un terribly unusual, but you know this is getting to be quite a bit and a lot of thunder and lightning with these storms as well. In the tropics, some good news here. We, now we do have a fairly active tropical wave moving into the central Atlantic, another one off the coast of Africa, but overall atmospheric conditions don't appear to be particularly favorable to develop significant storms that would that would then roll on to the north and west. So we do have to bear, the, the, the waves bear watching. We do have to keep an eye out, of course, and certainly always do. But it doesn't look like these systems can sustain themselves for very long. But we could have a tropical depression or even a tropical storm develop over the central Atlantic this week, but likely would then weaken late in the week or the weekend as it moved toward the Caribbean or southwest Atlantic. Josephine is the next name 
on the list. And then we're talking about how stormy it is here while an impressive uh, and, and really rather remarkable severe weather event in the Midwest yesterday, what's called a derecho. You've probably heard a lot about it if you've been on social media. These occur every once in a while, and they've actually were first discovered back in the late 1800s. So this is nothing new. It's not something that's all of a sudden formed over the last few years or whatever. It's, it's not real common, but it's not rare either. Every once in a while, many times it'll be once a summer or once every couple summers, we'll get one of these systems to develop usually at northern latitudes, not so much the south or here in Jacksonville, although rarely we'll see that happen in the in the winter or early spring. But uh, these are long-lasting, severe squall lines of thunderstorms that develop, we call them mesoscale convective systems, MCS. Uh, but what they do is they develop their own little environment, their own little weather environment. John Bachman was fascinated by this last night. Low-pressure area develops near the, the apex, the northern end of the storm complex, and it actually looks like an area of low pressure with a warm front to the east with storms, a cold front to the south with storms, but along that cold front is where storms are particularly severe. They're long-lasting uh, complexes of storms that can that can travel several states, and this one did yesterday, usually travel hundreds of miles. They can have winds over 100 miles per hour, and they did yesterday. It began in southeast South Dakota and northeastern Nebraska in the early morning hours and raced to the east at some 60 to 70 miles per hour and made it all the way into Ohio and Kentucky by the evening hours last night, and all the way in between. There was widespread serious damage in particularly Iowa, Illinois. Uh, those were the areas hardest hit, but even parts of Indiana and Michigan. Some places are expected to be without power for up to three weeks. That's longer than some of our places that are hit by hurricanes on the coast, depending on how big the hurricane is. My dad lives in, in Central Iowa. That's where I grew up in Central Iowa, and I've posted several pictures on Twitter and have been in close contact with him. He's okay. My family's okay, but it's been it was quite a severe weather system for the Midwest and parts of the Ohio Valley yesterday. It's that time of year. It's a stormy time of year across the nation and certainly, of course, right here at home as well. We'll keep you updated around the clock with all your weather all the time. I'm Chief Meteorologist Mike Burrish from the CBS 47 at Fox 30 Action News, Jack's First Alert Weather Center for 104.5 at WOKV.